Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Brewroots. I'm Emily. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that brings you the stories behind your favorite beer. Emily, can we just listen to this for a second? If you guys aren't in your car jamming out to this song, like, I don't know what's going on with you. Yeah, there's no reason behind this intro except that this song has been stuck in our heads for, like, the past six hours. Oh, at least. At yeah. least. So, Matt... Let's talk about today. Yes, let's talk about today. What do you want to know, Emily? So today we have an announcement. We do. Huge announcement. So we put out a contest on our Instagram. We wanted to do a beer giveaway to celebrate, you know, the almost ending of season two of Brew Roots and almost getting to 2K followers. We're only We're a so few away. Close. And the winner of our contest is at Andrew Raymond Lewis. So Andrew Lewis, you're the winner of a selection of 12 different beers from all around uh we've got some from the alchemist we've got some from mighty squirrel we've got a couple of limited edition freddie mercury's and we're just really excited to share these with the world so congrats andrew you'll get a dm on your instagram and you'll be able to uh get those in the mail from us very soon we are excited to send it to you yeah we love doing this stuff and hopefully another giveaway is soon to come in the next month or two so today uh before we jump into the episode i have a quick beer fact for you matt by all means go so you know we think of the craft brewing industry as you know predominantly a male uh, dominated industry but you know, we do know that the ancient Egyptians did rely on beer as a source of vitamins and pure water because they couldn't really drink from the Nile. And what I found out was that women were brewing the beer. So it was a woman-dominated craft in ancient Egypt. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And what do we got on beer history? <laughs> so we today? have no beer history for this day. Really? Uh, but other than Happy Day of the Dead. like Oh. So yeah, that happens yeah. on history every year. Dia de los Muertos. Yes, thank you. Feliz, uh, feliz dia. Yeah. Thank you. Happy day. So yeah, that's what <laughs> we have. But uh, Emily and I actually interviewed 603 Brewery, and that's what's happening today. Yeah. So they're out of Londonderry, New Hampshire. We had to re-record the episode because we got some pretty shoddy audio the first time. It was mm. really hot out, and Matt's laptop was probably on the fritz or something. Uh, but you know what was nice about this was that we got to re-record with them and got some more updates on beers that they're coming out with in the winter, some kind of Christmassy themed beers, and also um, some announcements about expanding their business. So you know, it's a good interview. Second time's a charm, right? Yeah, I almost wish I could interview everyone a second time. Like the first one was a you know like a test interview, mm-hmm. test the waters, and then you kind of know what to talk about. You can expect you because everyone has a little bit of a just different personality. Yeah, uh, so this was cool. We got to talk to Tim, who's their head brewer, and Dan, who's one of the founders. And they talked about, you know, their backgrounds and how they got the business started. And them, along with many other, you know, craft brewers opening their first brewery, they they talked a lot about kind of the leap from going from their day jobs to actually opening this brewery and really taking a chance. And I think they've had great success so far. So it was awesome to really hear more about their story and i got to be there yeah so let's not spoil too much i think the interview is awesome and it's a little bit of a longer one so we want to get you guys right into the interview so hell yeah emily you want to introduce it let's take it away cheers all right we are back in the lovely state of new hampshire finally brew roots has come back to the state of new hampshire what yes so a little rock throwback for those listeners out there that 
picked up on it. If not, you weren't educated in the 90s, I guess. But we are here at 603 Brewery for the second time. You guys didn't hear the first recording because I clearly don't know how to use audio equipment until this very moment. It was, good. I, it was a good practice run. It was a practice run, yeah. So uh, Dan and Tim actually have been like rehearsing their answers for six months since we did the interview. So I haven't actually brewed since you've been back. It's just been Dan and I in the office talking just about what we would say here. Yeah, we're practicing podcasting. That's incredible. And I'm glad that we're here today because there's a few updates that we want to hear about from you guys. So second time's a charm, I guess. Fantastic. All right, so stock question. Uh, introduce yourselves and tell us your roles here at 603 and your first memory of beer. Uh, I guess I'll start out. My name's Tim. I'm the head brewer here at 603. Uh, first memory of beer would be underage at a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, and I got an old lady to buy me some Coors Light because I reminded her of her son. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and you made it through the concert without getting kicked out or anything. Yeah, it was perfect. There you go. Really got me through the night. <laughs> Um, let's see. My name is Dan. I'm one of the owners of the brewery. And uh, I think my official title is possibly head janitor. Um, first memory of beer is our first, I guess, experience with beer. I think, uh, I think Dad tossed me uh, an MGD one day after mowing the lawn when I was probably not of age yet. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think that was the first beer I had. So the story that we hear a lot with brewers is that they started in a completely different industry and then somehow, you know, their paths brought them to brewing. So tell me a little bit about where you come from and how it got you to where you are now. Um, yeah, I'll go first. I actually started off myself, Jeff and Tamsin, uh, the other two owners. Um, we all met at UMass Dartmouth in engineering school. Um, so out of college, we all kind of went in those different directions. I ended up running um, water and wastewater treatment facilities for municipalities um, around New England. And um, I really, you know, water treatment I really enjoyed. Wastewater was, was interesting. It's not my favorite thing. Um, but a lot of that is very actually relatable to what we're doing here because it's just it's large-scale production. Um, where before I was doing millions of gallons of water a day, now we're doing you know thousands of gallons of beer type thing. And you want clean water. And you want you want clean water, so you, you know that's obviously your most important component when it comes to beer. Um, but the other correlation that always freaks people out, but it's very much true, is making beer is a biological process because you're using yeast and it's consuming things and you're dealing with live organisms, and that is actually the same way uh, loosely, but it is the same way that you handle wastewater because you treat it with live organisms and, and things like that. So there is actually a lot of crossover between um, all three of those worlds. I guess I'm a little bit of a, an anomaly. Is I've kind of been in beer for a long time. Um, when I was home from college, probably starting when I was 18, maybe 19, as I just started slinging kegs uh, for a bottle shop and homebrew supply shop. And soon after, I just kept working every summer, every winter, summer, winter. When I graduated college, I kind of had the opportunity to start running that store, and that, that's what I started doing instead of teaching. It just seems like a good move because I slowly transitioned from that to brewing, and here I am up in New Hampshire and making good beer. And Tim knows a lot about beer. <laughs> All right, so did you guys start homebrewing, and is that what kind of was the catalyst to maybe for yourself to start yeah. 603? Or Yep, um, so I started homebrewing in college, 
slightly before I was 21. Didn't drink it, though. I was just doing the science. Yeah, yeah, just for fun. Um, But, you know, really got into it at that point. Became a hobby, and it stayed a hobby. Um, You know, so I was was brewing quite a bit, filling up the basement with stuff type deal. Um, You know, and then years later, at one point, uh, Jeff, who's, you know, my my business partner, he was traveling to China quite a bit uh, for his job. And he was just like, you know, I'm sick of this. I, I can't stand going over there. I'm leaving my family. You know, I'm sending work over there instead of creating jobs over here. And uh, he's the one who actually said, you know, we like brewing beer together. Why don't we Why don't we give this a shot? And uh, that was kind of like a hallelujah moment for me. I'm like, yep. So uh, we just quickly got on that horse and we started rolling. And that was um, that was six years ago before it became too trendy. Uh, you know, there's there's been quite an explosion, obviously, of breweries around the country since then. Um, but we were kind of right on the beginning cusp of, uh, of this latest growth. What about yourself? Yeah. Uh, part of that job, slinging kegs, was I was always in front of people that were buying beer or buying homebrew ingredients. And they kept as- asking me questions that I had no answers to. I just looked there like a, a dumb kid at them and be like, uh, let me find somebody. And that kind of drove me to start learning more about beer and what everyone was doing there. So started picking up homebrew ingredients while I was there, homebrewing with friends and coworkers, and slowly got tired of that and decided to mm-hmm. find a brewery job. Tim, can you tell us a little bit about your journey before 603? Sure. Uh, I'm originally from western New York. That's uh, where I was working at that shop. I uh, wound up moving to Asheville, North Carolina, because heard that it was Beer City a bunch of times, at, that's whatever, however many years ago. Um, I said, I'm tired of New York. It's cold, which is dumb to say now because I'm in New Hampshire. Uh, but <laughs> decided to move down to North Carolina, found a brewery job out there, and it's, it's kind of just took off from there. I worked with a uh, startup for a little over a year. I uh, got an opportunity to be head brewer in another brewery across the state. That's where I went, met my now wife. Uh, she was going to college out there was originally from this area, so we kind of came back up to New England, tried to start another place in North Carolina, came back up for her family. So now we're here in 603 and having a good time. They say that when you're from New England, you always go back. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious to know, you know, six years ago, you decided to take a chance and open 603. What were some of the challenges of opening a brewery? Um, I would say, especially early on, that, that leap is, is a difficult thing. So, you know, it was a nights and weekends deal mm-hmm. to start. So, you know, I'm, I'm brewing all night and all weekend long. And, you know, Jeff is helping. And then he's putting all the bottle, the 22-ounce bottles in his car and driving around the state and selling it. Um, so we started all the way up in Campton, New Hampshire, which is exit 28 off 93. So that's way up there. Um, but anyone who's ever kind of looked into this, knows that when you start a brewery, you need to uh, basically buy the equipment and sit on it for a couple months while the feds are reviewing your application and are not allowed to use the equipment. So you, you hemorrhage a bunch of cash. So Campton was actually a nice place to kind of start and, uh, and get going up there. But things just kind of spooled up and took off from there. And a little under a year later, we actually moved down to the London Dairy facility. And that's where we started to see some real growth. Yeah, it's nice. You guys have a great location now. You're right off the highway. Yeah, you know, in Londonderry, so Jeff and Tamsin were living down here. I was living up in Meredith in the Lakes region um, at the time, so there's definitely been a lot of commuting. Uh, but Londonderry is great. It's actually geographically the center of New England. So um, 
all routes lead here, so please come visit. Do you remember the conversation you had with your your, your partners and saying, I think we're going to take this leap and go forward? Do you kind of remember, was it over a certain meal? Was it over text message, email? I'll, I'll, be, on, I'll be honest with you. It was uh, the leap, I think, at least mentally, happened when um, – there was a particular person in our lives who told us that ah, you're idiots for doing this. You can't, you can't pull this off. Um, we don't like hearing that. So that really made us dig in and saying, you know, we're going to put everything into this. We're going to do this as intelligently as we can. We're going to approach it, you know, uh, using our backgrounds, you know, doing it with a strong business sense as opposed to just going in there and doing it purely in a beer sense. Um, so we, we've tried to build not just a beer or a brand, but we've tried to build a company. Um, and that that's I think the key to the success that we've had is uh, we don't ju- you know it, it's it's not, it's beer focused it's employee focused it's community focused it's business focused it's we try to kind of 360 the whole thing it's very interesting because I feel like you guys had a very strong presence six years ago you were in market baskets pretty early on uh, do you attribute a lot of your success to you know using that tool of being in, you know, Mark Basket. Yeah, for us, I mean, I, I don't, I look at it today and I look at guys starting today and I don't think we honestly would have survived if we were the company who we were six years ago starting out today. Um, you know, we've changed leaps and bounds just from, just from the simple standpoint of the quality of the product because, like, I was the brewer and I know I'm nowhere near as good or as technical as uh, Tim or the rest of our brew team now. Um, I trust my palate but I know they're much technically stronger than I am. Um, so, but that's, again, that's how you build an operation. You know, you always bring in people better than you to, to keep keep building and keep growing and, you know, keeping, keeping the team strong. Yeah, I like what you were saying earlier. I feel like breweries are kind of their own brand of a startup. And a lot of startup founders, someone once told me, said, you know you're really onto something good when half the people you talk to say you're crazy, don't do this, and the other half are like, you're really onto something, you want that balance. And I think it's pretty brave to just kind of move forward once you hear those kinds of things and use that negative energy to just push you forward and prove them wrong. Yeah, one of the one of the terms um, that gets used is something called golden handcuffs. Yes. Um, because, yeah, I mean, Jeff and I, we, we both had very solid, stable, well-paying jobs with great insurance. And, you know, to walk away from something like that that provides a ton of stability in your life um, to, to make a leap towards something that, you have a passion for it, you know, you want to do on your own. It's it's a big leap, you know. Uh, not everyone's built to do it, I guess. Yeah, and I like also what you were saying about building a team that you want to hire people better than you. I think that's a really great attitude to have as a founder, you know. So one question that we always ask is, who is somebody in the industry besides 603 that's doing something right? Because um, we know you guys are doing yeah, it I'll, right. I'll name, I'll name some of my my favorite operations and then i'll let i'll let tim do a couple of his but uh founders is a brewery that i really enjoy we actually went out there um we hung out with the founders of founders that's uh, cool last year which was cool and we happened to be there on the kbs release which was really neat so we kind of bar hopped around grand rapids with them doing uh doing a kbs launch around the city um it just worked out that way and it was great really Similar story. We felt like, you know, two college buddies who got together and started this thing and, you know, showed the growth pattern. And, you know, we sell in a lot of the same markets, so we were able to, or at least our local markets, so we were able to kind of talk shop together. Uh, but Founders is one of those breweries I really enjoy 
Um, especially because they're not like a New England double IPA based. They're a malt based right. brewery, you know. Um, and to be that successful today, I, I think is very impressive. It means they're doing something right over there. For me, um, I'll actually stick in New England. Uh, I've always looked at Allagash. Um, they're a brewery that I've never seen do anything wrong. Like if, if they're putting something on the market, you know it's going to be pretty much perfect. And uh, I mean, they have a great place to visit, but beer-wise across the board, I know I'm going to pick up anything that they do and they're going to nail it. Can we talk about day one, 603, you know, it's opened and how it's changed over the course of the next six years. And I know a little bit of information on what's kind of next for you guys, but uh, let's talk about up until this very moment, you know, we've seen some struggles, we've seen some triumphs. Yep. Um, so I t- so day one was, again, up in Campton. The place was about the size of an office, and it had the ceilings of it. Basically, we were in an office space, brewing beer. Um, about... A barrel at a time, maybe a little less. <laughs> may, have taken me, upon, yep. may have taken me two barrels to fill up that one barrel fermenter. Um, so brewing just teeny amounts of beer um, and just <laughs> with a ridiculous amount of labor. <laughs> it, was, it was extremely inefficient. Um, but we loved doing what we were doing. Uh, but, you know, we've, we're, we're pretty good about knowing what we don't know. Um, you know, we're, we can identify that. And we can say, all right, you know, we have a lot to learn in this area. Let's focus on this area. Um, but we've we've learned a lot from a lot of people. And we've taken a lot of lessons, and we've applied those to what we're doing. Um, and we've slowly grown. So we started off with, we'll call it a one-barrel system. And then we went to a three-and-a-half, and then we went to a seven. And now we're on a 15, and we're going to be moving on from there. Can we talk about how the styles changed since Tim's come on? Uh, your former head brewer is now over at Bearwolf. Right now, um, can we talk about how you know things have kind of progressed yeah. since Tim's? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about how we got to Tim and let Tim take over. Um, yeah, so after after me brewing, um, you know, we brought we brought Matt on, Matt Neff, and uh, Matt's great brewer, very creative. Um, you know, he, he really excels on the artistic side of the beer design. Um, you know, and and we, so we continued growing as a company and. Uh, Matt wanted to spread his wings a little bit, and <laughs> it's not easy being a production guy sometimes because, uh, you know, especially in the summer, there's three or four core beers, and you're just brewing those over and over and over and over and over um, because that's what you got to do. And, um, you know, Matt Matt did a great job with recipe design and things like that, and he was fantastic for us at the time. Um, I'm real happy for him. He's doing great down there at Bear Wolf. I visited a few times. They're doing some really good liquid down there, so definitely visit them. Um, but when he left, we, we were looking for something a little different. Um, we wanted somebody with some larger brewery experience, you know, kind of had been to an operation that we want to grow to, similar to, rather than, you know, uh, somebody who hadn't. Um, so we, we went through quite a bit of interviewing, quite a bit of process, and uh, we were real happy to find Tim. And Tim's extremely humble, and he's not going to share too much with you. I know he's not, but um, he's, he's got a lot of great experience. He's very technically sound. And um, his, the volume at which he produces recipes is fairly ridiculous. I just don't think he ever stops thinking about beer and recipes. So, Tim, what was it about 603 that really, like, did it for you? Where you're like, this is my next move. Um, well, my wife, my wife and I had been looking to come back up here. And um, I interviewed a couple places. And I, I think this just seemed the right, the right size, the right 
atmosphere, um, just kind of the right overall feel. It's kind of hard to pinpoint, like it's a, that one thing that drew me in, but it just had all the little components that you kind of check off when you're just looking to, uh, you know, land a, a different job or move to a different area. Mm-hmm. And uh, 603 had it. According to Dan, I was a horrible interview. I was uh, going to mention that. Tim was the worst phone interview of all time. <laughs> what about the interview? It was so bad. <laughs> I'm a very terse person. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much to the point, like, you ask me a question, I'll just give you that real direct answer. So it's probably... Tim likes to answer in three words and less, and sometimes you're looking for a little more, a little more meat in that interview. <laughs> I'm always curious, you know, you know, owners uh, and teams at breweries, they say, oh, we interviewed said brewer, blah, blah, blah. It didn't work out or it worked out. What do you what do? you do? Phone interview and then they come in? Do they give you a sample batch of what they've done? Or yeah, do you well, kind of go off like a hope and a prayer that they actually know what they're doing? It's, it's a little different. Um, we always call references. You know, that's important. And when, when we called his, his major references, they were, uh, they were glowing. So they did a much better job interviewing than Tim did. <laughs> so <laughs> those, guys, those guys helped out quite a bit. Uh, but I don't know. It really is a lot of we, – we say around here that we, uh, we hire for attitude and we train for aptitude. Um, there are so many long days and long hours and stressful situations that if you don't click with the people that you're working with, it's not going to last long. Um, so as, as much as Tim isn't exactly a guy who likes to talk too much, uh, I appreciate that. So that was actually a, a plus in my book. Um, but I just had a feeling we'd get along, and so far, so good. I generally like to let my work do the talking as much as there possible. There you go. And Tim, it's been t- over a year, right? Yes. And yeah, how's Tim, the first t- year? Good. No. Good. Um, he has, Tim has, he sets a pace around here um, that has taken our operation to another level. I'm just very confident in saying that we would not be where we were today without uh, the influence that Tim has really helped build this team around us the past year. Can we talk about, for me, the heavily sought-after EO9 series? Um, you know, I shipped an EO9 out to California, and people are like, can I get more? Can I get more? Uh, Tim, have you brought in a, a you, you said you were a, a what was the term, uh, recipe wizard you know you're always tim kinda, yeah. tim is the I, I think every single eo9 oh mike mike had juicy brute but yeah, every everything every, other every, yeah every, every, every single eo9 release has been tim's tim's uh tim's designs so how's the eo9 series working is that something that you come up with the recipe and you're saying we're going to do a small batch of this or tell our listeners a little bit about how that goes um basically eo9 is for those who can't see the, let, the number 603 is if you flip them upside down, turns to EO9. So we've got our core beers of 603, and EO9 is just the chance to do whatever the heck I want or one of the other guys has an idea. We try to get it into the works where it's playing with new ingredients, new styles, new techniques, just basically having fun. Um, not that brewing in general isn't fun, but like Dan alluded to earlier, when you're in a production facility... You know, we all love our core beers, but when you have them all the time, you get a little worn out. So you want you want something to change that palate, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what EO9 is. It just kind of gives it a little bit of refreshment in the midst of, of your day-to-day. Yeah, you flip it on its head. Tell me a little bit about this new, what is this that we're trying, the coconut cookie cluster? cluster. Coconut cookie cluster. Um, that is something that we originally did uh, to the beginning very beginning of this year or the end of last year uh, just as a, one of our small batches it was only in-house um, 
and we had enough confidence in that one or, or some demand for that one that we actually scaled that one up this year and, and distributed like that Matt out. Matt finished his, so I didn't get to try it yet. <laughs> <laughs> we can get you another one. I've heard great things. Uh, that particular beer is just a, it's a really smooth porter um, as its base, and we use 200 pounds of flaked toasted coconut in that batch. It's the first uh, coconut beer that advertises coconut that I could actually taste the coconut, so I want to thank you for that. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. I'm glad that it showed through. Yeah, so, well, Tim will tell you a story. One of the things that we don't do around here is we don't use flavorings. Mm-hmm. Um, my palate picks up on them real quickly, um, and Tim has a real similar palate. And uh, he is very strongly against using the um, the coconut flavoring. I, I believe sunscreen. You said yes. it, t- it tastes like sunscreen. Oh, yeah. I won't, I yeah. won't say yeah. the name of the place that I worked for previously that was using it but that was one of my least favorite beers that we made but I agree, so you can taste the difference. yeah we use we use the real stuff so when you look at that tank behind you the volume of coconut means that entire cone was full of coconut wow um and real chocolate so we just we prefer real ingredients sometimes you have to put an excessive amount in there to actually get the flavor to come through um but if that's what it takes to do those beers that's what it takes yeah the brew house must have smelled amazing too right? it did smell amazing and the dumpster did too <laughs> So you talked a little bit earlier about taking operations to the next level. So I want to learn a little bit more about your potential expansion, what you're looking at maybe in some other states. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, So as a business, uh, we do 90, probably over 95% of our beer gets uh, sold and consumed in the state of New Hampshire. With the 603 Brewery, it's what we want. That's how we want to do it. Um, we trickle a little b- bit of beer down to Massachusetts, mostly Metro Boston area. Yep. Um, saw it in Amesbury. That's where they saw yep. the cooking. Yep. Um, got some, so we've got some really solid accounts down there in and around the uh, downtown. Um, so we do a little bit of beer down there. And we just started shipping a little bit of beer to Vermont. Um, but really, New Hampshire is always focus number one for us. Um, as far as growth goes, as you can see looking around this particular facility, we're out of room. Um, we could have used another few tanks this summer. Uh, but also the brew house is now too small to keep up with all the tanks. So we have been in the planning stages for multiple years uh, to build a new facility, um, standalone building, ground up construction. And uh, we are in the process of doing that right now. Have you already broken ground or? Yep. Uh, ground is broken. There is a shell of a building already in existence. Um, so we hope sometime in 2019 We'll be uh, having a christening party over over there. I'm excited to see what's next. Yep. Um, and we are staying in we're staying in the same town, so we're staying in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Um, yep. Right now, we're off exit five off Route 93, yep. and we'll be off exit four off Route 93. So one exit closer to the mass border. So I'm guessing you are expanding the the, the capacity that you can brew at. Yes. Just we're that. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, yeah. We're, so we're we're expanding everything. Um, so the the two things we really want to accomplish when we're moving is one make a permanent future home for us. Um, like I said, this is already the second place that we've had. And, you know, we've had to, if for our regular customers, they know, but every six months, you can't recognize this place from the previous six months. Um, there's more tanks, things are oriented different, we're ripping things out so we can add things. Um, but we're just maxed out here. So we wanted a place where we can grow into as well. Uh, but the other part that we love here that we wanted to be able to expand is that customer interaction, that customer experience. So um, I guess kind of the big exciting thing, one of the big exciting things at the new place is we're going to have a a full beer hall on the front of it because we think that's something that Southern New Hampshire just doesn't have um, and that they would really enjoy. So it's going to be 
kind of like a fast casual counter service. Um, hot, very good, simple food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not a too extensive a menu, but a really good kind of community Solid, gather- yeah. gathering place where you can come and get something good to munch on, have a bunch of beers, um, and you'll be able to see from the beer hall the entire uh, beer brewing packaging from uh, fermenting operation. Incredible. With a bigger place, are you going to offer contract brewing, or how do you feel about contract brewing? Is that something that you might be um, doing? Yeah, I don't. I don't. We don't have an issue with contract brewing. Um, we actually do. We, we we do a little bit for um, a brewery that we're friends with now. Um, you know, a lot of guys have come knocking on the door asking us, but we're just out of capacity at this point. We can't. We'll be willing to do it. Uh, you know, we're just selective about who we do it with. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. Let's get to know you guys a little bit more, though. Uh, so I know 603, you kind of know what the future of 603 is, but, like, what's in your fridge at home? Like, what are you drinking? Uh, Good question. What's what's inspiring you, and how do you come up with, like, those flavors? Is it beer-driven, or is it food-driven? Do you wake up in the middle of the night like a musician, write it down, and say, I need to do this, or talking to a phone, I got to do this? Like, For me, it's kind of everything you just listed. It, things just randomly pop in my head, ideas, whether it's something I'm eating, um, we have a kind of a new, I guess, eggnog-inspired beer in the works that Ooh. I actually, it, be, it was a stupid joke. I, I, was, I was on a hike on uh, Mount Monadnock, and I said, oh, we could name something Mount Monadnog. That's not going to be the name of the That's beer. That's so but, clever. Like, but that popped in my head, and that just I wrote the recipe after that because it was Mount Monegnog. It was just something <laughs> dumb that popped in my head. That's perfect. But that's going to be a neat one. So that it's going to be a, a white stout, and it's going to be on nitro. That's yeah, amazing. So it, it's going to be really an eggnog-inspired beer, inspired beer. So it should be pretty cool. I want to get to what you guys are doing with nitro because I know you guys can nitro a little bit differently than everyone else. So we'll talk about that on air. But what's in your fridge at home? I will. Uh, right now, I do have a bunch of 603s in there. Um, actually, I have some vintage 603s I'm hanging on to. But uh, actually, I just called my beer store guy uh, last night because I heard CBS is doing a second release. So I'm going to go pick up myself a bottle of CBS tonight. Nice. Uh, right now, it's probably about half 603. And then the other half is a bunch of uh, just Pacific Northwest stuff. My wife, who's awesome, surprised me completely with a trip for our anniversary to Seattle and Portland. Cool. Literally surprised me. Told me the night before while I was at work planning for, to come in the next day for work. <laughs> uh, so she we, she we had she had coordinated with us though, so we knew yeah. he was he was going to Pacific Northwest, but Tim didn't. Yeah, the P and W scene is awesome. Like we've gotten some beer sent to us, so yeah, it's just a bunch of stuff that we you know I hadn't had before, so just picked up a bunch of random beers and brought them back. Yeah. How about you? What do you have? Oh my god. It's almost what we don't have at this point. We yeah. get beer sent to us, and luckily, a lot of the the breweries that we go to give us are far, 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 far too generous. Like you guys were the first time, you know. So I actually had to buy on Craigslist from kids graduating college, like their old dorm room or fridges. So I have two of those <laughs> in my house. So we get a lot, but it's it's we're thankful for it. Yeah, and I have the same thing. I have my dorm room fridge up in my room, and I've got some Mighty Squirrel in there. I had some 603, but I drank it. <laughs> and which, what else do I have? I have one Corona. Nice. That's like the guilty <laughs> pleasure. So I guess I have one question for you guys. Um, Matt mentioned earlier, you guys have kind of a unique way of canning your nitros. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then I have another question. Yeah, with the nitro, it's, uh, it's a project we worked on for a couple of years, experimenting, I guess, a little bit, or planning and designing. And um, so we, we are able to nitrify a can of beer without using a widget, 
Um, it takes a little bit of end user uh, interaction where you have to give the can just, you know, uh, one or two hard shakes before you crack it and pour it into a glass. But this is a huge cascade. It's awesome. So we actually shoot liquid nitrogen into the beer um, and then we seam it. And so it basically traps it. It traps it in there. Um, so that quick shake you do right before you pour it is just to reintegrate that nitrogen into the beer. And do you have like a note about it on the can of... Yep, we, you need to do. We, we got kind of steps one, two, three written on the front of the can. Nice. Um, I've seen that before with some of the like, unfiltered ciders and that right. kind of thing. Um, so my other question is, I forgot it. I do this all the time. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Uh, I can't remember what it is. Oh, I remembered. So um, what is your guilty pleasure domestic kind of beer where you're like, I'm a brewer. I should know better than to have this but i can't help it once in a while i just have to have it like for me it's corona light i'm trying to think i don't i don't know if stella counts but i like buying a stella every once in a while yeah. and just and just having that i don't want to say like i don't have one because it sounds like i'm a little snobby but <laughs> i it's been a while since i've really just gone out and bought something else it's kind of hard i guess when at least for me, when I'm a brewer, I'm surrounded by stuff all the time. I'll, I'll go to the bottle shop a lot, like mm-hmm. this summer, when it's just steaming outside. I just want something that's just super cool and light and refreshing. I've gone in there a lot to my, you know, to my bottle shop, just be like, give me a, give me a nice light German Pilsner or something like that. So it'll give me, you know, a Rodenizer or whatever some of those are. But um, yeah. I yeah. mean, understandable that you wouldn't want to go out of your way to buy a domestic when you're at a shop that has way better selection. But let's say you're at a barbecue and there's a cooler full of domestics. There's no craft beer. What's the one that you might reach I'll, for first? I'll, I'll pick up a I'll pick up a Bud Heavy or a Bud Light. I'm not yeah. a, I'm not opposed to that. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I would pick up whatever's in the cooler. That's just, you know. I'm not a snob to the point where I'll say, "Oh, I'm not drinking." Yeah, I'll just right. I'll grab whatever's yeah, in there. That's that's like yeah, that's not enough. Like a PBR. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's not enough. Yeah, whatever's in there, Bud, PBR, yeah. whatever they have. Yeah, yeah. the two exceptions. I won't drink Corona. I won't drink Heineken. I'm Fair very, enough. Very sulfur sensitive. And those yeah. get light struck pretty easy. So. Exactly. Yeah, because they're bottled. So, all right. Let me ask you this then. Let's say you're at a party. It's all cans in the cooler. You've got Miller Lite, PBR, and Bud Light. Which is going to be your choice if you had to pick? Probably start with PBR. Yeah. And then I'll just, I'd probably just keep changing. That's <laughs> generally when I go to a bar, even like whether it's craft or not, I usually don't just stick with the same beer. I'll just grab another one. So even though they're probably not that different, I'd probably just go make my rounds. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. Yeah, That's, I, Matt I, says PBR too. Yeah, I could do a Bud Light or a PBR. I've just something you about something about Miller Light. I just I've never never been able to do those. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that people kind of feel a little weird afterward with Miller Light. Like I don't know. If even yeah, I mean, even in college, I was I was drinking Silver Bullets in college. I had I had, <laughs> I, I had plenty of Coors Lights, but yeah, something <laughs> about Miller Light was never never my jam. Um. Dan, do you still have a hand in the brewing process? Of, do you sometimes, you know? I, I have not got on that stand other than to fix something in, <laughs> in quite a while. So, um, honestly, it's the fun part now because I get to just drink beers with these guys and talk about the tweaks and, and whatnot. Yeah. You talked about this last time. 603, obviously the only area code in New Hampshire. So, for those who don't know, if you get a call from 603, it's from New Hampshire. Yes. Do you did you have a list of other names or was six oh three the always the, the name? Yeah, no, we had uh we went through we went through a bunch of names actually before we landed on six oh three and a lot of them we just couldn't use because they were naming conflicts and you couldn't register it. 
And um, honestly, we were blown away that 603 wasn't taken. Yeah. Um, that was when I was like, oh, damn. Kind of light bulb moment. So it, it worked out for the best because not, none of the other names were as good as, as the one we have. So you have some kind of pithy, funny names for your beers. Obviously, Call Me Dragon, your newest EO9 release, uh, paying homage to Step Brothers. Yeah, there, there are quite a few Will Ferrell references yes. in the uh, EO9 series. Can we talk about the process into choosing a name? Is it something that, like, <laughs> it's we have, do you have, like, one, does somebody come up with one and you're like, it obviously will not be, like, you know, farting on my brother beer, right? Like, you know, like something the, um, that was like the most tame one I could think of. No, right to now, be absolutely other. honest, yeah, yeah the, the amount of the amount of effort and man hours that goes into naming a beer is completely ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, we, we put a lot of ridiculous time into it and it's round tabled between a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone comes up with some sort of name. And really the biggest problem is it's not like between us coming up with names, is that most brewers are of like mindsets where we all try to be kind of punny and watch the same dumb movies and so basically so there's like a lot of those 12 names to already 14 out year old guys that yes. are just yeah yeah uh, no it's yeah. really what it is yeah. every you know we're all yeah 15 16 year old yeah. you know mentalities yeah. but um yeah no it's so hard to get a unique name today with eight million breweries Correct. out there putting out 10 million beers a piece a year it's so naming a beer is very difficult um we take we take that intellectual property very seriously because yep. um, we don't want to get into a situation. You know, we've had to make a couple phone calls saying, "Hey guys, could you not use that one again?" Because you know, we have we have a beer out in market with that same name. Um, we typically don't mind as long as they're not in the same market. But as soon as somebody's in the same market with the same name, then it's it like, becomes, what the hell? Yeah, yeah it's like come on, guys. A little bit of one one Google search would have would have taken care of that. Uh, was there another name for Call Me Dragon, or was that always the the choice? Oh, literally, there must be a hundred different names that didn't get through. Do you remember one in particular? Um, I, honestly, I think that was that was one of the the leads from the start because the first the first dive into the whole New England IPA thing was uh, was Airhorn. Yep. And then after that, we were there was probably a bunch of random names thrown out for this that nobody really cared about. And then I think PJ and maybe you, Dan, or st- kind of went on the Step Brothers. Huge Step Brothers fan. And uh, Call Me you know Dragon came up. Yeah. <laughs> Call Me Dragon, and then the so the beer after Call Me Dragon was Call Me Nighthawk. That's great. Yeah, and then we actually are going to be releasing one in a couple of weeks called uh, Nonsense Words, and that is from one of the uh, Will Ferrell, Alex Trebek, uh, SNL. Oh, skits. that's perfect. Yeah. So obviously a lot of inspiration from Will Ferrell, but there's also a lot of inspiration from you know the geography of the area. So you have like the White Peaks. The nitro granite stout. Yeah. So tell me about the 18 mile. What does that mean? So six, the 603 original core beers were all New Hampshire centric named. Um, Winnie is obviously Winnie Ale for the for the big mm-hmm. lake. So 18 mile is a rye pale ale, and 18 miles is the miles of coastline that New Hampshire has. Hmm. Yeah, and it's predominantly of all things located in Rye, New Hampshire. Love it. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful drive too. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. You guys talked about being community-driven. What do you guys do in Impact Community around the Londonderry area? Um. We have uh, – I wish I could um, – uh, Morgan's over there. She's our event coordinator. So we actually have – we have a full-time event coordinator. Yeah. I know most breweries don't have that. But um, I even noticed, like, the food drive we have here, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. So. There's food drives. There's coach drives. There's lots of community events. Um, you know, donation requests come in at an alarming rate. 
Um, I, it's funny. I was looking across the street at the plastic supply company. I'm like, is everyone hitting them up as much as we can? <laughs> Probably not, but uh, we do as much as we can. Um, you know, one thing that we did, actually next year will be our fifth year, but at the Londonderry Old Home Day, um, they contacted us four years ago. And they said, hey, listen, we'd love to bring a beer tent back to Old Home Day. We haven't had one in like 20 years. Um, so that's something we do for the town now every year. So all the Old Home Days, we come out and we run a beer tent. And um, it's, it's good. So again, it's a community gathering spot. We do it at the Lions Club, which is right across the start, uh, street from the park where they do the parade and everything. But, um, yeah, just a lot of community stuff. We really look forward to the new space because we'll have more, a more permanent area where we can entertain and hang out and bring people in. Um, we work at the police department, we, you know. So, uh, will you guys do like private events? Like, can people have their birthday party at yep. the new six hundred three? Yep. So there is a the river. There is a private function room um, at the new space. So um, it's funny because you, you'd be surprised, but a lot of uh, a lot of restaurants, a lot of companies, they like to just get off site and do a meeting and things mm-hmm. like that. And they actually use the space now. Um, it, it can be a little distracting. It's got to be the right you know scenario in this in this environment. Um, but in the new space will be a room for that, so those people can come in and you know the community can use that area. That's great. The beer that 603 is known for is? Uh, we, we have a, you know, it, it's kind of Winnie Ale, but we have a pretty unique um, product split where we don't have one beer doing 80, 90% of the volume. Mm-hmm. You know, our biggest beer probably does 40% of the volume. Yep. You know, we have a lot of different labels. But Tim can talk about Winnie Ale a little bit. Yeah, I'd say Winnie... Is probably the biggest by volume that we do, that we produce, um, and it's uh, it's kind of a unique amber ale. I think I think beers with a color in their name get a bad name, like they kind of get avoided. Like oh, it's amber. Oh, it's red. It's oh, a it's brown. Brown. Um, but Winnie's different. It's got a, a, a nice mix of different grains in there to give it a little more depth, a little more of like a almost raisiny type finish. Um, it's a touch sweeter than some of them. A lot of American styles in general are hopped. That's kind of what we're known for. Um, and this one's a lot more balanced in that regard. Um, it's definitely an interesting take on, on what an amber ale is. I am trying the Winnie right now, and it's delicious. I'm definitely getting that raisin finish. And it's nice to see that you guys are doing so well with a beer with a color in its name because that's something that you do see is, like, people are a little bit averted, like, oh, it kind of affects the, their perception of what the taste is going to be, but this is excellent. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a rarity for a brewery to have an amber as their lead beer. You know, it just doesn't happen these days. But um, we found a lot of success with Winnie on Draft um, at bars and restaurants because it just pairs so well with just about any food you're eating. That little bit of malt sweetness, that little bit of hop bite, um, and it's got a real nice, rich flavor. So it pairs fantastic with food. Uh, which is really, I think, the key to that beer success. I have to commend you guys on being able to truthfully embody the idea that your brewery has a beer almost for every anyone that comes in here. And there's sometimes when you go into certain breweries and you just see double, triple IPAs, session IPAs, so on and so on and so forth, 13%. You know, it's like something crazy, right? And then you just have heavily drinkable beers here. So thank you. That's that's a, that's awesome. And thank uh, you. Continue that tradition. We've seen a kind of a trend in how beers being uh, brewed lately. We're seeing brewed IPAs, we're seeing lactose IPAs, uh, the creamsicles, whatever. How do you guys feel about that? Um, are you dabbling in that industry? Rumor has it you're returning with a brewed IPA. Is that is that true? Uh, yeah. So we've got one of our other brewers, Mike, um, 
his his EO9 release was a Brute IPA. And that was uh, our first crack at it. And I think it went over really well. Um, it's really clean. Had a great, uh, great hop aroma, great hop finish. And now we're going to kind of scale one out up a little bit and actually, I think, release it to the market. Um, it'll be slightly different version on that. But it's I'm personally in love with the idea of that style because I'm a little tired of everyone focusing on how something has to be hazy because mm-hmm. it's weird. It doesn't have to be. Um, so I kind of like that idea. It's like make a bright beer. Still has all the great flavor. Still has all the great aroma. Um, so, yeah, we're coming out with that. When we released December? Yeah, I think I think December. We were just going over the production schedule yesterday. But yeah, I'm a, I'm really interested in that style too. Um, kind of like Tim was saying, I'm I'm a bit burnt out. The whole world is. I you mean, know. everyone's coming. It you, seems you'd, like whole, you'd think that, yeah. but there's people still well, line up is, for them. Matt's burnt out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely a fan of the hazy IPA because I'm I'm all about the mouth feel, and I feel like it's it's just got a really nice, like thick, sweet, yeah, juicy, and, and that's just feel. There is just a huge population of people who that is the beer that they are looking for. I think it's also brought a lot of people beer over to the beer side. Yeah, exactly. I, because there doesn't have a lot of beer flavor or the old beer flavor kind of in it there's a lot more kind of fruit forward flavors yeah so i think it i think new england double ipas really started crossing genres mm-hmm. and started bringing different drinkers into the beer scene which is neat but i just find that i've been able to pair it with some like really heavy foods like a thick like pork ramen or yeah. something like that it just goes so nicely yeah. so i've seen it work a lot in like the food pairing space yeah, but absolutely. One question that I like to ask everybody is, what is your favorite aspect of the craft brewing industry itself? And maybe what is your least favorite aspect of working in this space? Uh, The easy thing is uh, my favorite part would be just how collaborative and helpful this community is. There's not a lot of, it's not a lot of horrible people in the brewing industry. It's a very small margin where you know, I can walk into almost any brewery in this country, say that I'm a brewer, and immediately be embraced and say, "Hey, come on back, look at my brewery." And same thing, anyone walks in this door and want like wants to talk shop, I'll bring them around. It's, I love that part of this industry. It's I mean, that's not. why we do this. That is the answer that we get almost 100% of the time is the fact that it's collaborative and competition breeds better beer, and so you're very open to like sharing ideas and sharing trade secrets with other brewers and helping each other out in any way you can. Like, Hey, you, you know, you can buy up some of our can supply or you can like use our, you know, our, our equipment if you need to, or. Yeah. There's a, a buddy of mine I used to work with in North Carolina. He's got a brewery in Florida now. So the past two days he's been texting me about brewed IPAs. Cause he knows that we made one. So it's just, been a whole sharing thing between him and I. I've asked him plenty of things. It's just, it's a really good community to have to just like throw ideas at people and be like, oh, I did that. That's terrible. It doesn't work. Or, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Let's do it. It makes the industry so, so unique, especially in this country where like, you know, competition is high and everybody's kind of like out there to grow. And it's just such a cool community. You don't really see that in any other industry that we found. Yeah, you really don't. Um and again, <laughs> it, it, ha- it is, it's the standard answer, essentially, but it's the most amazing answer. Um, it's the answer we get every time, yeah. even from people who have never heard our podcast before, who have never heard that question before, they still give us the same answer. It's and the community, it's the idea yeah, sharing. Yeah, o- honestly, I would say quite possibly our n- number one largest direct competitor um, 
is right up the street from us. We share constantly. We do. We buy things together. We buy bulk products together. We warehouse stuff together. We yeah. Sh- you know, and we're like, and you know yet what? You expand. Yeah, you know, we'll, yet we'll you let grow. Absolutely. You know, it's like, oh, I learned how to do this. Let me show you how to do this. I can improve that. Let me show you how to do that. We trade knowledge back and forth all the time. And it's like, you know what? We have different distributors and we'll let them duke it out. And we'll let the customers decide who they want to drink, mine or yours. But um, it does no benefit keeping yourself in a silo and, and, and pissing off all your neighbors and, exactly. and being the bad guy of the industry. It, what does that do for you? Um, everyone in this industry is so open and they want to share knowledge. And there's plenty of crappy beer out there. Nobody wants to see that. So if I can help you fix crappy beer, if you can help me fix crappy beer, let's get together and let's have a conversation. Let's fix the crappy beer. I love it. I think it says a lot about your consumer, too. They're very open-minded people. You know, they're trying everything. But as long as you're making good beer, they're coming back to you. But yeah. they're also coming back to your neighbor. Yeah, there's not I, there's not a ton of brand loyalty, so to speak, yeah. in this industry. It, if there is, it's, you know, oh, I like these brands, these multiple brands. But um, they're also very open-minded people. So, oh, I like these brands. Yep. So if this brewery kind of follows a similar technique or a similar style, yeah, absolutely open-minded to choosing them, too. Yep. Why do people keep coming back to 603? I'd say, well, like I said before, it's, it's, it's not the same place every six months. <laughs> yeah. But um, we, try to keep a, we try to release about two new beers a month. Um, so there's a constant stream of new stuff coming through. Um, and it just, it, we try to make a good time. We have a bunch of events here. We just, the customer interaction is great. Um, we've got a great front-end staff. And, again, Morgan really spearheads all those events for us. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it's the combination of all the stuff that you expect when you come in and then splash you with a bunch of new stuff every time you walk in the door. Yeah, currently, I mean, this place is real unassuming. You pull up, again, classic industrial par, doesn't look like much, a little sign on the door, and you come in, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I you mean, know. Emily's never there's, been up in this area. There's, there's, the there's tanks, floor to ceiling, all along the walls, and then, you know, that's where the seating area is, too. So you're yeah. reaching out, and you can, you know, you're right next to these tanks, which mm-hmm. kind of puts the whole brewery experience into a new, a new context. Please don't touch you. the tanks. Please don't <laughs> touch the tanks. Can we just talk about the merch that you guys have i say that you guys rival uh night shift honestly like um the shirt that you're wearing the the eo9 shirts kick ass kind of similar to our logo i like it um but i mean it's it nonetheless like i rock the the camo flap rim 603 londonderry new hampshire all the time where (laughs) you know people are like are you obsessed with that brewery do you work there nope just like that but who does the marketing for you guys? And like, can we talk about some of the the brand yeah, stuff it's, that you have it's, here? It's kick ass. I, I, I feel I feel a little out of place. I, but it's it's <laughs> primarily um, Morgan and it's Tamsin, uh, the other the other partner. Uh, they really do all the. They're very brand strong, um, you know, and they they pick out all the gear and they're I mean they're really good. They're on top of it. They spend a lot of time doing it. We try to have new stuff coming in all the time to keep it neat and interesting. And it's and we don't buy cheap stuff you know we buy nice yeah. stuff we we don't you know we don't charge exorbitant prices for it we, we try to keep everything uh you know shirts in like that 20 to 30 dollar range maybe sweatshirts in like the 50 dollar range and whatnot oh, 40 that. and 50 uh, yeah, yeah the, the hats, hat selections yeah. are nice i, I will yeah, i will flannel. say we, we got pretty we got a pretty killer hat selection right now so um yeah um they're just great they find really good vendors tamsin we have a little advantage too because tamsin also has and she had for years even before starting the brewery a little gift shop down on the cape so she's been going to trade shows for years Mm -hmm. and she knows all these vendors and the ins and the outs um so they're it's a really good team when it comes to sourcing product because it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of you know it takes a lot of work to do that properly yeah i mean it's nice you're the product that you guys are actually 
creating the beer matches the merch the quality of the merch yeah and the and the 603 merch has kind of a look to it and the yeah. eo9 merch kind of has a separate look to it you know they're, they're two different feels and you know two different experiences we'll say so speaking of brand where can we find you guys social media website email that kind of thing well, Tim's a huge social media guy. No, ne- neither, <laughs> well, I can imagine. Ne- I'll be honest. Neither of us. Neither, media, yeah, we don't even have a Facebook <laughs> account. Uh, no. So the brewery has a Facebook account. The brewery has 603brewery.com website. We're on Instagram. I don't know. Uh, 603brewery. 603brewery. Yeah. 603 on Instagram. Um, hey, Morgan, do we have a Twitter? <laughs> yep, we have a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> At 603brewery. That will not be cut because I was so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can see that Tim and I are more in the operations end of the business. Yeah. All right. So we ask this question always in closing, but what are you guys most proud of? It doesn't have to be 603. It can be life in general. We don't have to get too nostalgic, but let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, mine's real easy. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of this team. Um, I, I've said it multiple times, but the most exciting thing for me with this business is working with great people. Even more than the beer, even more than building the building and all that other stuff. Um, the ability to assemble a great team and work together the way we work together day in, day out. Um, that's by far what I'm most proud of. Kind of stole my answer there. Sucker. <laughs> yeah, I, I just it's really awesome to come in every day and have a bunch of guys you can rely on. You know, people around you that you know are going to get get the job done or kind of know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Something to look you, forward to. Yeah, you don't always, you don't dread going into work and be like, oh man, now I gotta deal with this guy. And it's a dream. I don't know what she's doing. This is terrible. No, like you walk in and it's, all right, things are handled. Let, let's keep going. That's awesome. Great answer. <laughs> all right, cool. So this episode is gonna get released very soon. Can we hype up any beers that are coming up in the next couple weeks? So, yeah, we got. Um, that white eggnog inspired stout is going to be called Son of a Nutcracker. Uh, so that's going to be nitrified. That one Another will be coming Will Ferrell out. Elf yep. reference. Yep. Um, it, that's that's going to get aged on some. Uh, it's actually right. it's uh, currently aging on some rum infused oak chips. Oh, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. I can't wait. It's yeah. going to be a really cool beer. Yep. Uh, Nonsense Words is coming out, which is going to be uh, New England Double. And then. Um, uh, sugar Plum Sour. Yep. Um, We'd say basically like a sour red ale base, kettle sour, um, that we added an ungodly amount of plum puree to. Cool. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. That's hopefully right out before Thanksgiving, hopefully. And then uh, there's a brute to be named. Um, maybe that should be the name, brute to be named. Uh, to be coming out in December. And then we'll, we also do an annual release of our bourbon barrel aged stout. Um, we do a release right before i think black friday black friday black friday the and then we u- and then we'll reserve another batch to release probably the week before christmas very cool well thank you gentlemen we could sit here probably all day and just shop talk shop with you guys but you guys have to brew the best beer that you can and uh we look forward to those beers that are coming out uh thank you so much anything else you'd like to add no just thanks for coming in guys really appreciate it no it's problem pleasure, pleasure doing this again yeah <laughs> thanks yes thanks everybody cheers cheers All right. What an awesome interview. Thank you so much to Tim and Dan for sitting down with us. We got to spend a little time with them afterward, just trying a couple of samples of different beers. While we were doing the interview, we actually had a little bit of a flight in front of us. We got to try some of their, you know, some of their current faves on tap. Matt got a flight of some stuff. I got a flight of some stuff. We tried to like get some different things in there and 
um, we just really appreciate them taking the time with us the second time. Yes. And like I said, you know, the timing was perfect for this because, you know, they're expanding, you know, they're going to have much higher capacity and I'm really excited to see what comes next with them. Absolutely. And congratulations to our beer giveaway winner. Andrew Raymond Lewis. That's at Ra- Andrew Raymond Lewis on Instagram. And Andrew, obviously you have a message in your DMs from us. We slipped in. And we're going to mail you those beers and we're really excited to share them with you. Don't be too discouraged if you didn't win though, right? We are going to be hosting another giveaway in the next couple of weeks. So continue to follow us because we are going to be giving away stuff, uh, maybe t-shirts, maybe stuff, some swag from a brewery, maybe even more beer. Um, so stay tuned for that. And don't forget that we always are willing to do some beer trades with yes. you. So if you've got some beers from yeah, we're going to be getting states. some from uh, Virginia and New Jersey. Awesome. We get to scratch those off on the map. Can't wait. We're definitely looking for some beers from Arizona, New Mexico, Anywhere that's uh, in the deep south, we don't have any from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia yet, and I would actually like to try some from the Pacific Northwest as well, because we want to scratch a few more of those off. Yeah, I would too. Idaho, get at us. Yo, all right, so if you already don't follow us on Instagram and you're listening and somehow heard about our podcast on a different platform, follow us on all social medias at... Brew Roots on everything. B-R-E-W-R-O-O-T-S. Brew Roots. And don't forget to follow 603 Brewery on Instagram and Twitter. Check out their tap room if you're a local to New Hampshire because they're located right smack dab in the middle of New England. And they've got some great beers on tap and more awesome ones to come. And you know what? I loved the fact that a lot, like a lot of the other craft breweries we've talked to, they're really about using pure, real ingredients. So they have that sugar plum ale that's coming out. They use real plums in that. Mm. You know, the toasted coconut that we tried today also had real toasted coconut in it. I just can't wait for that eggnog one. Not to cut you off, mm-hmm. but the fact that it's aging right now in rum barrels. Mm, get at me. Yeah, I wish that they had gone with that name that they were thinking of because he, he said he kind of came up with the idea for it. When Mount he was, Monagnog? Yeah, he was like, I'm, I was climbing Mount Monagnog and I thought Mount Monagnog, something like that. And I was like, Mount Monagnog. Yeah. How funny Such that a good be? name. But, you know, maybe next year. Yeah. I just would love to be in like the, uh, I would say like the war room, right? When they're discussing all the names. Because I feel like we could come up with some pretty stupid ones just to add like comedic humor. <laughs> yeah, just add a little mess Yeah, so to if it. you're a brewery that wants stupid names, hit us up on Instagram and yeah. we'll help you out with We're some We're happy names. to name some. Just give us tasting notes and we can definitely come up with some really stupid puns Hell for you. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks again to 603. You guys were amazing hosts mm-hmm. and we we're so grateful to be there and just hearing more of your stories and getting to try some of the awesome stuff you guys have on tap yes so we are coming to a close of season two coming up very shortly but we have some really 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 exciting interviews coming towards you um but we are also taking some suggestions for what you'd like to hear next season so season three um because maybe we'll change things around i mean we like what we're doing right now but if there's some stuff or some ideas out there that maybe better suit us that we didn't even think of please yeah burning questions send them in the dm send them in the info at brewroots.com email Mm -hmm. it's surprising how much we get that question of what email can we reach you guys at and we're like we say it every week info at brewroots.com maybe Maybe we have to do it at the beginning yeah i was just thinking (laughs) the same yeah cool so until next week enjoy some beer but have a safe weekend more importantly yeah and feliz dia de los muertos see cheers cheers